Good morning. When I arrived yesterday, I looked on the schedule, and when I looked there, it says Sebastian and then Pavel Goya. And I said, man, I have to share my presentation with Sebastian. <laughs> Who is this guy? I got to meet him. So I asked them, where is, my, where is the room where I speak? And they said, it's Sebastian Hall. I said, okay. <laughs> so it's not a person, it's a room. I remember when I was driving my van, it was the best car probably I had up to that point in my life. It was a Dodge Grand Caravan. And before we have a prayer and we start, I want to tell you what happened to that car. The car that my best friend helped me get in the auction, that car had a big screen TV inside the car. For uh, 1999, that was a big deal. And the car had lights and whistles and bells and everything and video games. Oh, when I would get in that car, I would keep the doors open so everybody could see what a car I have. <clears throat> and I would hope that somebody would pass by when I, the door is wide open and look inside and look outside and feel good about it. One day, I was in vacation with my family and we were driving to Washington, D.C., and how many of you have a Dodge Grand Caravan? I will pray for you. I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> God bless you. <clears throat> I was driving my van, and the van goes, uh, 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 uh. it would not go from second to third gear. So I stopped the car, started again, uh, 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 it would not change. So basically, I had to drive from Washington, D.C. to Wisconsin in the second gear. It took me forever. <laughs> I learned the patience of the saints from Revelation, but <clears throat> I got a transmission at a junkyard for $550. I paid another $450, a church member. He put the transmission on. I drove the car for three months, and the transmission broke again. Oh, I lost my holy patience. I was so angry, I started to hit the car with my foot in the tires. And it was in front of Walmart, so my wife, honey, calm down. People know you, just calm down. Count to ten. Say, leave me alone, I don't have money to spend in this junk. Eventually, I calmed down. I hated the van. Bad transmission. Dodge, bad transmission. I got another transmission, <clears throat> around 500 this time, I paid another 450, put it on, and put it for sale. Let somebody else have it. <laughs> and then, I put it on cable TV, I lowered the price, I put it on Cra Craigslist or whatever is the name, and again, and again, and again, and again, newspaper, nobody called. Everybody knows Dodge has a bad transmission. <laughs> so I started to pray, Lord, you are a wonderful God. You see where I'm going? You care for us. Would you please help me sell the van? And I prayed and even had faith, strong faith. I believe the van will sell. Didn't. Nobody called. And eventually I was in Beloit giving <clears throat> a prayer speech. And I said, we should never focus on self because God is more important than you and me. 
and his plans more important than our plans. And we focus so much praying for self and so little praying for God. So much on our plans and so little on God's plans. And we wonder why God cannot work as he were during Moses or during Daniel or on and on and on. And as I was driving the van back home, it occurred to me that I don't practice what I preach. So I said, Lord, forgive me. I'm not going to focus on my van anymore. Help me focus on you. <clears throat> and God spoke to me instantly and say, said, you need to give up everything. I said, Lord, if it was Mercedes, I would not give it up. But this Dutch, you can have it. <clears throat> and God said, all of it? I said, well, give me something because I need to buy a car. Can you give me, instead of 4,000, 3,000? And the Lord didn't answer. I said, okay, have it for free. And then I said, but would you give me a little at least? Because I don't want to be in debt. And the Lord didn't speak. And then instantly I heard a voice in my mind that said, you have two options. You give it all up or you are lost. I said, Lord, I want to be saved and I want to serve you. And God said, then you need to give it up. I said, okay, you can have the van. And Lord, the Lord said, no, you, you need to give it all up. I said, how much? And he said, all. I said, well, what if I am trying but I am not able? And he said, well, I will take it from you. Is that okay? I said, no, I would rather give it up myself. <clears throat> and I said, okay, you can have the van. And God said, okay, that's a good beginning. As soon as I said amen, I got a phone call. A church lady, and maybe you heard the story before, she called me and she says, Pastor, do you still have that van for sale? And I said, Pam, I don't want to sell you the van because you'll hate me. You'll never come back to church. That's a junk. I would rather have somebody else buy it. And she said, same story, Pastor. Somebody else is going to hate you. I said, yeah, but they don't know me, obviously. <laughs> and then she said, I know it has a bad transmission. We even prayed for your van. My brother fixed it. Don't you remember? I said, yeah. And I said, why would you want the van? And she says, I just prayed that the Lord would use me. And the Lord inspired me to drive people who don't have transportation to church, to drive children who don't have transportation to our school. And I have a little Dodge Neon. A Dodge, oh man. And so she said, I need a van, but I don't have the 4,000 that you want for it. I said, Pam, how much do you have? Oh, she told me she had less than half, but it's okay. I said, okay, you give me whatever you have, whatever you can give me, whatever makes you happy. I said, really? Can I have it for this amount? I said, yes, you can. The bad part of the story is that 10 years later, she's still using the van. It never broke again. <clears throat> Let's pray and go straight into the subject without going around. Just straight to the subject. Father in heaven, please come and open your word with your spirit that we may hear your voice and we may fulfill the plan that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said, unless you hate your mother and your father and your wife and your children and your husband, uh, you cannot be my disciple. Now, if Jesus said, unless you hate your mother-in-law, would have made it easier. <laughs> but he didn't say that. He didn't say that. It is the principle of self-renunciation. The principle of giving up everything. is not the nice prayer when you pray and get an answer, but it's the prayer when you don't get an answer. 
And you trust him so much that you rejoice and have peace and know that God knows everything, doesn't he? She came to me, the same lady that bought a van, and she said, Pastor, my husband left me and my child is taking drugs and he is in prison and I am sick and I am losing my job. And I have been praying for six months and I have no answer. And I said, what do you pray for? And she said, I pray for these problems. And I, I said, stop praying for them. Pray for God's plan. And she said, don't you care? I said, yes, I, that's the reason I tell you. How much time do you, do you and me spend praying for our needs? I am not saying that we should not pray for our needs. God said, cast all your needs upon him, upon Jesus. Upon him, Jesus says. He does care. If a father cares for his children, moreover, God who loves us would care. He will not give us a snake if we ask for a bread. But the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. It's a matter of priorities. And then trust that I will provide above and beyond your needs. I remember I would go to school and the classmates would make fun of me and they would say, you are an Adventist, there is no God, you are stupid. And I would go home and cry. And my father took me by hand to the cemetery and my father told me, do you see the grave? I want you to curse that grave. And I said, I cannot do that, you will spank me. My father said, I want you to hit him. I, I cannot do that. My father said, hit him. I said, okay. What did he say? He is dead. And my father said, unless you die, people will keep hurting you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I die daily. I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm not sure. 1 Corinthians, I die daily. Unless we learn to die, God cannot use us. We wonder, where is the God of Abraham, the God of Moses? Where is the God that pushed the sun 10 hours back during Josiah? Where is uh, Joshua, sorry. Where is English? English, English is the most horrible, terrifying language in the earth. There is no rules. The same spelling, you can read it two different ways. Who knows why? Anyway. <clears throat> the God of Moses who split the sea. What is that God? Why miracles don't happen today? I was giving in Spain, in Madrid, the prayer seminar. And after I gave the prayer seminar, I came back home. And then two years later, I get a phone call from Italy, from Rome. And the union says from Italy, come and give the prayer seminar here. I said, I cannot. I just cannot. I am scheduled two years in advance. I cannot. Period. Not going to happen. And they said, we want you to come. I said, you don't know English. Do you want me to speak Romanian? No, we don't know Romanian. Then just I tell you again, not going to happen. I have a schedule and I cannot change it. And I said, you want to get me? Two years in advance. And then they say, can you come from your vacation? I said, Why? And they said, have you been to Italy? No. What if we pay for you and your wife two weeks vacation and you speak two Sabbaths? And everything in between is paid. I said, well, keep going. I'm listening. <laughs> and they said, well, we'll get the hotel, we'll get the car, we'll get the food for you. And you go on your expense, wherever you want, you pay the gas. I said, keep going. And you speak first and second Sabbath. And we pay the trip for both of you. I said, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. And I said, what do you want me to speak? Well, we want you to speak in four locations, Rome, uh, Torin, Milan, and um, I think it was, trying to remember, Venice, or whatever. Anyway, so I go there. When I go to Milan, something strange happened. 
The church is totally packed. And they told me at the union that the church goes in minus. The church is declining, is dying, is minus 0.3 or whatever. I don't want to give you a, a number that I'm not sure about. I don't remember. My wife knows this peak is small details. I, doesn't matter. But anyway, so sometimes I even confuse the stories because there are so many stories. So the church that I was told that is dying, it was packed. There was no room on the seats or between the aisles or in the back or at the windows outside. Everybody was there like the whole Milan. Exaggerating a little. And so around 250 people. I said, how many members do you have in the books? Well, we used to have 16. How many? 16 people would come to church, all old. I said, how, how do you have so many? And they said, well, you preached on prayer in Spain. And somebody from our church was there. And he did a translation from Spain, from Spanish to Italian, and wrote a 44 pages brochure and gave it to the 16 coming people to church to read it. And then they decided to meet every morning. Let me stop right here for a second. One of my church members talked to me yesterday and said, Pastor, what if we all prayed? And what if we all had a prayer group, a small prayer group, two, three partners that we would pray for each other, like Moses and Har and Aaron? The spirit of prophecy talks a lot about it. And what if we also prayed in the homes with our family and then the spouses together, husband and wife would pray together, and then we would pray also alone? What to do to our churches and to our families? I said, yeah, we are speaking now. This is it. Let's do it. What if we did that? So back to the story in Milan. They said, we started to pray every morning at 5.30 at the church. That's sacrifice. And we prayed at 5.30. Then we started to pray in small groups at home, and then we started to pray in the families, and then we started to pray alone. And our church became just prayer. And we said, we are not going to pray for self. Give me this job, heal me of this disease. We are going to pray for God and forget self. And even if we die, that's not important anymore. Whatever he wants, whatever would glorify him. And that's the prayer that God cannot refuse. When you give up self, to the point that you... Remember, David, go to Psalm 63. In the wilderness of Judea, Followed 10 years. That's not a short time. Have you prayed 10 years for something with no answer? Would you keep praying? 10 years being followed by King Saul and his army. David doesn't pray for protection, doesn't pray for justice, doesn't pray for water, doesn't pray for food. And he has an army with him and their families. David says, in a dry land where there is no water, I've seen you. Your presence is better than life, better than the richest foods, better than water. I would rather spend a thousand days here with you. Because one second with you is better than a thousand days in Las Vegas. So what if I spend the whole life with you? Focusing on God to the point that you forget your cancer, you forget your foreclosure, you forget your problems, you forget your divorce. Focusing to God so much that you say, it doesn't really matter if I live or die as long as he's glorified and his work goes on. What if we did that? We'll not be here, we'll be home. All the Bible characters, all, not one, all, have gave up self. They had gave up self.
And therefore, God did what he did through them. And God will not use you and me before we learn that. And sooner or later, we'll have to give it up. Because if not, we'll not make it when the crisis comes. So, back to the story. And they said, we learned that we need to focus on God. And we need to forget self. Finally. And they said, after a week of praying together, how many days? A week. Is that a long time? But they said, we prayed like crazy. We prayed like there is no tomorrow. We prayed like Jesus was coming tonight. We are disparate. We are losing. We are closing. We are burying our church. We prayed. After a week, somebody came from the neighbors and said, what's happening here, guys? You had just in the weekend, Saturdays, you had a few cars. Now you have cars every morning at 5.30. Is there something going on? They said, no, we just pray. What do you pray for? Well, we just pray for God's will and God's presence. And the guy says, well, you know, my wife has cancer. Would you pray for her too when you pray for whatever you pray? They said, yeah. And they told me, we prayed, but we didn't believe that something would happen. It didn't even cross our mind that something may happen. Second week, a week later, the guy comes and says, you know, my wife was in the third stage. She had several, like three, four, six, whatever months to live. She went to the doctor today, and the doctor said, gone, no trace of cancer. What did you do? And he says, you know, I talked to my neighbor, and he came with me. Would you pray for his son? He's in prison. And they prayed, and then the next neighbor, and then the whole street, and then the next street, the whole neighborhood got baptized. The, the Pentecost can repeat again, and it will repeat again, and should happen today. If not today, then when? And Jesus said, unless... You hate, the word in Greek is Misheo, that doesn't mean to hate because Jesus said we should love one another. Jesus said you should love and respect your parents. The word Misheo means to love less than. Unless you love them, them less than you love me, you are not worthy to be my disciple. That means God should come before job. God should come before your house and your mortgage. God should come before your husband or wife or children or parents. God should come before anything else. Unless that happens, God cannot work. That's the principle of self, of, of renunciation. And then the second part said, and unless you hate yourself, so God should come before you. And I tell you, that's hard. Because God doesn't accept 95%. He takes it all or nothing. Don't we think I surrender all to Jesus? Oh, let's just do it. God doesn't take a divided heart. God doesn't fix a broken heart. Not even God can fix a broken heart. God kills it, and then he makes a new one. He would create, implant in you a new heart that you would be partaker of divinity, that he himself, after you die, will live in you and live through you, and it's not going to be you living, but Jesus. That's the reason Paul says, I have been crucified and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, Galatians chapter 5. So, basically, this is the principle. God says, I cannot save you and I cannot use you before you die. And death is not easy. Sinners have easier time to be saved than saints because sinners know that they are wrong and they give it up. But saints never give up. And God doesn't ask us to give up just our sins, but he wants us to give up our righteousness too. Wherever we are right, he wants us to give it up too. He just wants us to give it all up. 
And not to be controlled by, by our righteousness, but be controlled by Jesus. And that's difficult to do. I remember we started the Bible studies in Lexington, and there were just a few people before giving Bible studies in that church. We prayed, and we sent 10,000 invitations in homes. We made a, a, a plan that we will do one zip code a year. There are 10 zip codes. That means in 10 years, Lexington is going to be evangelized. So we sent to the first zip code. And we got like 300 responses back. And in our church, there are like two, three people giving Bible studies. So we talked to the church, and we got 10, and then 20, and then 30, and then more people. And eventually, we gave, two, we gave 276 Bible studies. Come on, say amen. Okay. <laughs> 276, and I remember having them tell the stories in front of the church. And one lady, I'm not going to say the name, comes to me, and she has a very dubious life. And she says, Pastor, I didn't used to come to church, and I don't feel worthy to come to church, and I don't even feel worthy to pray. That's nonsense. When you say, I am a sinner, therefore I cannot pray, it's like you say, I am sick, so I cannot go to the doctor. Nonsense. That's the reason you go to the doctor. You don't wait until you are well and then go to the doctor. But anyway, so she said, I cannot feel worthy even to come to church. Moreover, to give a Bible study. But it's so exciting. I, I want to be part of it. And I said, listen, you will never grow unless you work with others. Because God didn't ask us to come to church to be blessed. He called us to come to church to bless. You will never get a blessing before you share a blessing. You are blessed to the degree that you bless. So I said, you come to church, you got to work with others. As you work with others, you grow. And she said, but, but I, I am not worthy to tell them. I said, who told you to tell them anything? You just go there and pray with them. This is the DVD. This is the guide. They play the DVD. They read the guide. And you say, good job. Let me have a prayer. And you go home. Let them read it. Oh, that's easy. I said, okay, go. She takes the Bible study. She goes. She calls me five minutes later. God doesn't consider me worthy. The apartment building is locked. I buzzed the thing and nobody opened the door for me. I said, I want you to stay there. I want you to get in your car and pray until God gives you an answer and then you come back. And she said, okay. Five minutes later, she called me. God didn't give me an answer. I'm coming. I said, you didn't hear what I said. I want you to pray until you get an answer. And she said, what if he doesn't give me an answer? Then I want you to sleep there and wake up there and go to sleep next night there and I want you to stay there and pray until you get an answer because God is not going to turn you down but you don't give up and she said pastor but what if it takes two three days I said that's what it takes and I said I want you to give up but I, I have a family I said no you don't well yes but I have a job no you don't you don't even have a life leave me alone just pray I said, why would you say that? I said, you told me that, didn't you? You just told me that. Said, yes, I did. I then pray. I said, I'll pray here for you in my office, and I'm not going to go home before you have an answer. And she prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed. I said, Lord, you got to answer now. And she called me two hours later, and she's like unable to talk. Pastor, you would not believe. I just, I just, I just, Calm down. Tell me what happened. So I was praying and praying and praying and it took like one hour and I said, Lord, I am not worthy, but I am not going to give up. And she, I was praying and praying and praying and somebody comes through the door, going into the trash container to, to 
you know, with the garbage. And she said, I ran to him. I said, can you let me in? I go to this apartment to give her a Bible study. And he says, no. If she's not home to open the door, I'm not going to let you in. But guys, I am angry with you. And she says, with me? And he said, yes, because I asked for a Bible study and nobody ever came. I said, no problem. I give you this Bible study and I go back to the church, pick another one for her. And the guy says, okay, come in. And she says, no, no, you are a man. I, I am a lady alone. I'm not gonna... Come in. And she says, okay. She comes in. He says, sit down. She sits down. And he leaves. He goes. He closes the door behind him. And he's gone. And she's alone in his apartment. And, and, and she says, Lord, I don't know what to do. Just five, ten minutes later, he comes with another 11 neighbors. They all want a Bible study. Sit down. Now tell us. And she says, I don't know what to tell you. I am a sinner. My life is horrible. I left the church so many years ago. I am not worthy. I don't even know what to tell you. But th this is what I have. The DVD and the, 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 the guide. And he says, well, if a pastor came, we will not talk to him. Because those are the good people and we are sinners. But if you came, we'll do that. So they play the DVD and, they, and he says, what do we do now? And she says, I'm supposed to have a prayer for you. And she prayed for them. And she called me, pastor, I gave a Bible study to 12 people. I said, don't we have a good God? How do you feel about it? And she started to cry. And she says, God wants to save me, doesn't he? I said, not just you. God wants to use you, not just to save you. Stop focusing on self. What would be the benefit to be alone in heaven? Before we learn... Wow, I forgot about the clock. Oh, we still have time, it's good. <clears throat> the canvassing team from Wachita just left Thursday from our church. And they told us so many stories I could tell until tomorrow. I mean, story after story after story. All when we give up self. All when we learn how to pray. And we know this stuff. It's nothing new. The question is, how long is going to take before the church? And I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about you and me. We are the church. Before we make a decision to pray like Jesus is coming tonight. How long is it going to take before we make that decision? I remember when our son had a car accident. I pray for my children every day. And we should, shouldn't we? There is nothing wrong with that. The problem is priorities. Who comes first? There's nothing wrong to pray for your job or for your health or for your children. The problem is priorities. Who comes first? Who is the leader? Who is in control of your life? And that's the biggest problem. We have a hard time to give up control. All the conflicts that we have is because we never give up. Because it's our kingdom against God's kingdom. So, I prayed for my child and my wife prayed we pray for them quite a lot. But one day, my child had a car accident. Uh, not a car, I'm sorry, a four-wheeler accident in Collegedale. He, young people are stupid. They may be smart, but they sometimes, there is a room here, but there is no furniture inside. <clears throat> and he... He called us and he said, I love God, but I cannot go to church anymore. I said, what happened? During the week, every day I go to school and work. Saturday is the single day when I am off. I don't work, I don't go to school, I don't learn. God loves nature, doesn't he? So what I do, I go on the lake. It's my single day when I can have fun. I said, son, go to church. 
Oh, I cannot. I said, son, go to church. You go on the lake Sunday. No, Sunday I have to learn. I have to write papers. So my wife and I were praying for him. One day, he calls us, and he says, from hospital, I had an accident. I was on the lake, and I flipped in the air with a ski, trying to, make, to do a trick, and I, the handle came and took my ear off, and I fished my ear, but then they got me in the boat, and then I fainted, and I'm in hospital, and they put my ear back, and the doctor said that if the handle hit here, I would have been dead instantaneously. And he said, God saved my life. Next Sabbath, I am in church. Did he go? Uh-uh. He forgot. He said, let me explain how it happened. He had an explanation. We can explain every miracle away, you know? So, a month later, he fell asleep driving the car, and he jumped 27, free fall, 27 feet free fall in a, in a pond, kind of a whatever, and the car sank in the water, and there were weeds and bushes around, and it took the police six hours to find him. And he calls me and says, I'm going to turn around. He didn't. But then eventually, one Sabbath, he took the four-wheeler, and they went in Collegedale up the mountain, and he tried to get up the mountain where nobody could. And the four-wheeler tipped over and cut his head between the rock and the four-wheeler. And shattered his helmet and not just his helmet but took part of the skull that there was naked brain here and pieces of bone on the rock and splinters of bone coming to die so I got a phone call from uh, I forgot the name of the biggest hospital in Chattanooga Herlanger, whatever and I got a phone call and they said he has about four hours to live my wife and I got in the car and we drove from Wisconsin. That was about five years, four, 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 five years ago. We didn't drive, we flew. If they would have called me, they would have taken my pilot license. I mean, a 12-hour trip, we did it in nine hours and 15 minutes. We drove like crazy. And we prayed all the way. But we didn't pray the regular, thank you for being with me last night, be with me today, da, 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 be with my church, amen. We labored in prayer. We grabbed God's hand and we did not let him go. And we prayed like there was no other day of life in our life that that was the last prayer. And we said, Lord, we are not going to let you go before you do something here. And after five hours of prayer, we changed our prayer and we said, Lord, we commit our son to you. And if you decide to take his life, it's hard to say, but may your will be done. However, Give him a chance to be saved, regardless if he lives or dies. Save him. And when we switch the prayer from save his life to save his soul, then God answered. That's the prayer that God cannot refuse. And we say, Lord, I'm not going to pray for his life anymore. We accept it. But please give him a chance to be saved. And I told Dana, I said, I have peace. I know that God answered this prayer. I don't know what is going to happen, but I know that God answered our prayer. We got there and they said, you know, it's strange. We did three CAT scans. There is no brain damage. You can see the brain. There is no bone, but there is no brain damage. And then we did two CAT scans and the eye, he has 20-20 vision. There is bone coming through the eye, but the nerve and the vital parts of the eye are not broken. So he has 20-20 vision. Now we don't know if he's going to be pretty anymore. 
I, well, I said, doesn't matter, you know, you don't have to be pretty, you have to be a good Christian, you know. He's a handsome guy, believe me. But anyway, and so, just like his father. <laughs> okay. So, uh, they said, he will live and he will not be paralyzed. Well, they did five plastic surgeries, built the right side of the face to match the left side with titanium, and you don't, if I show you a picture, you don't know that he ever had an accident, he doesn't even have a scar, he's really good looking. Anyway, so, he wakes up from the surgery, and you can see nothing except the left eye. And he says, I'm not dead, am I? I said, no, son, because we will not, we will not attack if you're dead. He says, and, and I'm not paralyzed, am I? Because I can feel my hands and my legs. I said, no, son, you can still do su stupid stuff. You, you can still move. And he says, do I have brain damage? I said, no, son, you cannot have brain damage because you don't have a brain. <laughs> and he says, oh, 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 don't make me laugh because it hurts. Oh, oh. <laughs> and then he says, God saved my life again, didn't he? I said, yes, he did. And then he says, I want to change, but I cannot. What should I do? They said, son, we don't have the power to change regardless how many times we want to. But we need to die before God can make us new. They said, son, you need to make a decision today and every day from today. Every morning when you wake up, you need to say, Lord, help me die today. Kill me today. And come and live in me. And if I forget for a second, kill me again. And please don't let me live again. And I said, son, you could have been dead now, but God gave you life to let him live that life. And he got it. And from that day, every morning he wakes up early and he prays, then he calls me and he says, look what God did for me today. It's amazing that God can do this miracle today. It's not what he did in the Bible. It's what he did today. It's not the God that he did miracles for you 30 years ago or 40 years ago when you got baptized. It's the God that is alive today. We don't have time. Any oh, yes, we do have a little time. That's good. <clears throat> I went from Milan to Torin. Turin, Torin, whatever you say it in English. I don't know. It's English. doesn't matter. And in Turin, the church was already packed, and there is a guy called Fanny. I know that's, not, that's funny, but whatever. But his name was Fanny, and his wife Dana. And he comes to me and he says, you know, I got that brochure, 44 pages prayer seminar, and I gave it to the church, but they were not really interested. They said, ah, oh, yeah, it's nice. But then I, my wife and I read it, and we said, we cannot live the way we live anymore. This guy, funny, used to own a big construction business, and he used to have a lot of money, well-to-do, very well-to-do. And he was among those people who are well-to-do and they love God. And they are in fire for God. And they want God to be above themselves. And they want Jesus to come soon. And they do whatever they can to help that. So this guy, funny, was very involved in the church and very supportive of the church. And he says, I got from this seminar a different level of understanding is not that, that I go to church once a week and to work be and to evangelism and I give so much that is way more than tithe. It is that I have to give everything myself. 
And he says, it occurred to me that Jesus said to the young, uh, rich ruler, sell how much? All. All. That's not easy. How many of you are willing to sell? Don't, don't raise your hands because we are not allowed to lie. To, to, to sell all. <laughs> sell all. How much means all? Pretty simple. Nothing left. Give it away and then follow me and you'll have a room in, in the kingdom. And Fanny said to me, that was a tough decision, Pastor. And I was struggling, and my wife and I kneeled down, and we prayed the whole night from 10 p.m. until 5.30 a.m. And we said, Lord, you give us the power to give it all up. And we are not going to leave from here before we give it all up. And in the morning, God gave them the strength, like Abraham, to give up his son. They got the strength to give up their business. And I'm not saying that God wants you all to give up your business. God may want you actually to keep it and use it in a right way. But God has a plan for everyone, and you need to seek that plan. So God inspired Fanny to give up his business. So his wife and Fanny agreed, and that day they sold their business. And after they sold it, within a short time, God inspired them to go to Africa. And I'm not going to give the names in details and places, they went there and they built two orphanages. And then they came back and they prayed again. And God said to them, who called you back? Go back to Africa. And Fanny said, but I have no more money. And God said, who told you that I need your money? We too many times think that God needs what we have. It all comes from God, folks. Remember. So Fanny said, but Lord, I don't have anything left over. And God said, go. He said, okay. They went to the airport, and while they are in the line for security to check, in, to, to, to be controlled, baggage and everything, and you know, they are in line, somebody comes, and he has two big bodyguards with him, and he says, I'm Senator so-and-so from the government from Italy, and I heard what you have done in Africa, and I want to be part of it. And here, it's a briefcase that has 200,000 euros. That's a big amount, believe me. I don't know, 300,000 or more dollars, but that's a big amount. This is the briefcase. I know you cannot go to the airport, so I am a senator. This is a diplomatic briefcase. It has diplomatic immunity, and I am here with you. And these guys are going to go with you in Africa until you get to that place. He went back, and he built more and did more, and he used all the money and did great things there. And then he came back. And said, Lord, what is next? And God said, go to Romania and build a nursing home for the elderly. And he said, I have no money. And God said, you didn't learn the lesson, did you? It's like the disciples. Today God multiplies the, the, the fish and the bread, and tomorrow they struggle and they wonder. We'd never get it. So he goes to Romania, and he looks in the airport, but nobody came. <laughs> so he gets there, and he's waiting in the airport, and his wife says, honey, we have been waiting for the last four hours. Let's go. And they go to the hotel, and they get in the hotel room, and they don't know what to do and where to go. And they start praying and praying and praying. And they pray a whole week, seven days and seven nights in the hotel room. And after a week of prayer, somebody knocks in the door and says, you are funny? I found out what hotel you are. I found out the room and everything. I have here some drawings for you. You told so-and-so in Torin, Italy, that you are here to build a nursing home. 
I'm an architect. I also help the church with drawings, blueprints. This is the blueprint of the building. I said, but the money? He says, all I have is the blueprints. And he goes. And finally, his wife keep praying. A week later, somebody from Croatia knocks in the door from different country and says, I have here some money. And he gives him to the penny the amount from the blueprints. God inspired me to give you some money. I have here the money for you. And they did the, the, they did the nurse, nursing home. And then he goes back in Italy and says, God, what is next? And God says to him, I want you to bring some help to Ukraine, to the poor people. And he talks to the church and they got four 18-wheelers filled up with second-hand clothing and furniture and food and school supplies and everything. And he gets three other drivers and they drive two days and two nights and they get to the border of Ukraine. And as they get to the border, the guards don't let them go. They say, you know what? Two luggages, two, how you call them, the big? Suitcases, suitcases thank you. English again. Ah. Two suitcases per person. Whatever is over, you got to pay $2 per pound. No, per kilogram, I'm sorry. $2 per kilogram. That's crazy. That money, you can buy new clothing, you know. You don't need second-hand clothing. And they pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And in that time, that was several months before I went to Italy, I got an email from somebody called Fanny. And he says, I did what you said in the prayer seminar and God doesn't answer. What should I do? I don't know this guy, I don't know this story, so I emailed him back, I said, keep praying. So now back to the story, he says, so I got the email back from you, like you didn't care, keep praying. But I didn't know what to do, so we kept praying. So we are here at the border of Ukraine for two days already, and we keep praying. And I said to myself, these people want a gift. So I go back to them with a passport and put $100, uh, 100 euro bill in the passport and give it to them. And the guy from the border says, I would love to take it, but nevertheless, I'm not going to risk my job. You cannot bring your four-wheelers unless you pay customs. So Fanny goes back, and they keep praying and keep praying and keep praying and keep praying, and God doesn't give them an answer. And they keep praying and they keep praying, and God doesn't give them an answer. So Fanny says, there is no answer to this prayer. Folks, the spiritual prophet says that no honest prayer goes without an answer. But it would be wrong to assume that God would answer the way we want in the time we want. God answers every prayer. We just don't see it. And by the way, most of the time, answer to prayer, it's a process, it's not an event. Back to the story. So they decided to unload the four-wheelers in some storage place and go back home. So they unloaded everything and paid the storage for a month. And they gave it all up and went back. And they called the local pastor, an older man. He says, you know, get your church members and get as much as you can. And this is the password from the luck, from the storage. So the local pastor took six retired elderly people. And they went there, each one, two suitcases. Today, tomorrow, and the guard started to make fun of them. Four 18-wheelers is going to take you forever. To, to, day by day, uh, 14 suitcases. Six, seven people, six plus the pastor, two each, you know. It doesn't make much sense. And uh, the guard says, 
Why do you do that? How much money do you make selling this junk? They said, you got it all wrong. We don't make a penny. We want to do what Jesus did. We want to help the poor. We want to make a difference. We want to help people and pray for people. We care for people. And the guard says, there is no Jesus. There is no God. And the pastor says, yes, you may not have a God, but I have one, and I know him, and I see him, and I hear him daily. There is a God. And he is very alive in my life. And the guard says, no, if you can prove to me that there is a God, I will believe in him too, but I am pretty disappointed with him. And the pastor says, sit down. I'm going to show you today that there is a God. And he gave him a full Bible study on grace. And the guard says, my soldiers need to hear that. So he calls them. And out of 12 soldiers, one stays at the customs, and 11 listen. And every day, as they bring suitcases, they give another Bible study. And a month later, 11 soldiers get baptized. And the guard says, you know what? Take all that is left over. You don't have to pay a penny for the customs. And he lets them in. So the pastor calls Fanny and says, Fanny, this is the reason God didn't answer your prayer. He answered better prayer. And Fanny said to me, I just came short ago from Ukraine and I am waiting for the next step. And he says, since I sold my business, my life changed. And he said, I never had less food than before. I never a month, did, there is no month that I didn't pay my bills. God provided for me just the same like when I had my business. But somehow, God is using me now. Folks, what if everyone in our churches would do that? Jesus would come tomorrow. Oh no, today, tonight. We need to learn the principle of self-renunciation, death to self. And if we don't learn it today, then when? I, my time is almost up. But <clears throat> this is the harsh side of discipleship. Unless you die to self, you are not worthy to be my disciple. Basically, God says, you may think that you are my disciple, but you are lukewarm. You are not hot, you are not cold, you are somewhere in between. And Paul says, if we are not with God and not with Satan, it's the most miserable position because we lose it all. Either left or right, make up your mind. <clears throat> the principle of self-renunciation, the cost of discipleship, to give up everything, to live for God, to bless, to renounce, to die daily. By the way, I remember I talked to my wife and I said, honey, there is no month. That better be God who calls you because if not, I'm going to answer. Okay. <laughs> so, back to the story. So, my wife and I talked and we said, God has been faithful to us. We used to have a big business in Romania. We sold it all when they called us to ministry. And we are never sorry. In fact, we consider it a privilege, a joy. And my wife and I talked and we said, we need to learn to be more committed, 100% committed. And I remember one morning, uh, I paid my bills. I, first I put on side the tithe check and then the offerings. I put some money for offerings and then for the poor. And then I paid my bills and then I had the money for my son's tuition and then nothing left over. 
By the way, when you put God first, God uses the chewing gum principle for you. You know what that is? The chewing gum principle, you know that you can chew gum forever, it never ends. God would make the leftover money last forever. That's the chewing gum principle. So, that's what God has done to us. Every single time, when we give up everything, God makes it whatever is left over last forever. And we have a pretty good life. I mean, I consider myself extremely blessed. And I mean that. I'm not trying to be humble or to lie or to impress you. I consider myself extremely blessed. And so, I had the money for tuition, and as I... Uh, I said, you know, if we keep them in the house, we may spend them. Let's go to school and pay tuition for my son. I got him in my pocket. I got in the van. Now I had a Toyota Sienna, not that Dodge. That was a good van. Anyway, so I got in the van. It was pouring. The rain was so heavy. And I am driving four miles to the school, around the block four times. So I go left, and I go left, and I go left, and I go left. And close to the school, went to turn into the school driveway, somebody there, after she dropped her children to the school, she's walking back home through the rain, and she's crying and cleaning her eyes. And I stopped, and she, I just baptized her a few months before. And I said, what is wrong? Why do you cry? Why do you walk home? And she says, I cannot tell you. I said, you got to. I'm the pastor. And she says, oh, you are not a Catholic priest. I don't have to tell you everything. I said, yes, you are right. You don't have to tell me everything, but you are crying, and I need to pray for you. And she says, well, I hate to tell you. I said, okay, hate, but tell me. And she says, well, they closed the business, so we got laid off. I lost my job, and I didn't pay the apartment, and the lady evicted me, and she had two small children. And then she said I had no food, and I didn't pay electricity, and I didn't pay gas, and I didn't pay telephone, and today we use the last two potatoes, and we don't know where to go, and we don't know what to eat, and we are in the street. And she said, my children are in the neighbor's house, but we cannot stay in the neighbor too long. And God spoke to me and said, you need to solve this problem. And I said, Lord, all I have is the tuition money, and I got to pay tuition. And the Lord said, death to self. And I said, Lord, but I, I, I still have to pay tuition. And the Lord said, you don't hear it. Give it all up. So I said, okay. I said, get in the van. We went to Aldi. Do you know Aldi store? It's the cheapest possible store, but still, you know, food. And I got there, I filled a cart with stuff, and she was kind of smiling a little, and I said, that's good news. And I drove back to the neighbors, and then after we unloaded the van, I called the landlord, and I said, what church do you go to? Oh, I go to the, and I'm not going to tell you, it was a different denomination, not Adventist, but I, I, I don't want to tell you because I don't want to blame any church because it's not the church that is good or bad, it's the people, you know? And they are everywhere good and bad people, and we are good and bad, it depends. So I said, is that what your pastor is teaching you? I said, who are you to talk that way? I said, I don't care who I am. I just tell you, is that what your pastor is teaching you? I'm going to call your pastor and tell, you, tell him what you did. And I said, go ahead, I don't care. I said, hey. I'm not going to stop there. I call your pastor, and I'm going to put it over the internet. I said, I'm, I'm going to go against you full throttle. I'm going to just... How could you learn from the Bible to love your neighbor as you love yourself, to do like Jesus did? You call yourself a Christian, and when Jesus comes, says, I was poor, I was naked, 
how, how could you call yourself a Christian when this lady is in the street in rain with two small children? And she was quiet. I said, do you have children? Yes. Is this the example you give them? Is this what you want them to learn? I said, but she didn't pay. I said, she doesn't have the money. She lost her job. I said, this is the money that I have in my pocket. This is tuition money for my son. I am willing to give them all up, but that's just about half of what she owes you. If you would forgive the other half, and let me tell you, you can afford more than me because you own quite a few apartments. I said, okay, I'm going to do that. I said, praise the Lord. And then I called my elders and I said, this Sabbath, you'll not have a sermon and you'll not have a pastor unless you, did what, you do what I did. And they said, what did you do? And I told them the story and I said, I want you to get the money together, not from the church budget, but from your own pocket. And I want you to pay electricity and gas and power and, and, and telephone for this lady. And they did. Then I talked to the lady and I said, I want you to find a job this month. I don't care where. Walmart. And then while you work here, you find a better job. And next month, we will not help you again, but next month you come to me and you tell me that from little salary that you got, you helped somebody else. I want you to do that for me. And she did. She went to Walmart, she got a job. Next month, she told me that she helped somebody. And she gave me the name. But after she was back in the apartment, she started to cry. And I said, why do you cry? And she said, Pastor, I never had such a good day in my whole life. This is God's church. This is not just sermons. This is living like Jesus. I feel home than any home in my entire life. I feel that this is the church that I should die for. And she started to hug me and to kiss me and she would not stop. And she made my day, believe me. <laughs> and so I went home and I told my wife, honey, I didn't pay tuition and I don't have the money. I said, you lost the money? No, this is what I did. And my wife hugged me and said, good for you. Good for you, pastor. That's the way you should live. That's what God called us to do. And she said, God will provide. And God did provide. We did pay tuition. That, that day, I got the money back from taxes, and I paid tuition. That very day, at 2.30 p.m., I got the money back from taxes, and I paid tuition. The point is not what you give, what you do. But the point, the secret to a new life, the key to salvation, the key to being used, the key to growth, the key to follow Christ is to die to self. I've been crucified and I no longer live. I die daily, except a corn wheat falls into the ground and dies. It remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The key to bear fruit is to die daily. And we will never accomplish much before we die. And when we die, God is going to live in you and in me. He's going to do what we cannot do. We, I don't have time, my time is literally, this second it turns zero, 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 so it's done. But I can tell you 100% that the God who did so many miracles in the past never changed. God doesn't change. And he's waiting for you and for me to die so he could live in us. And then his life lived in us will do what he did when he walked on earth again and will close the work and will go home. And that starts with two great steps. Disparate prayer. When I say disparate prayer, that doesn't mean like routine prayer. That means prayer like there is no tomorrow. Prayer where you forget self. And secondly, death to self. Willingness to say, Lord, take it. I am unable to give it. 
take it. Do whatever it takes and take it all from me. Because self, says the spirit of prophecy in ministry of healing, is the worst enemy in need to be crucified. Self is the worst. We, when we fight, we don't fight enemies. We fight God and we fight self. Self is the worst enemy in need to be crucified. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, what a privilege to serve you. You don't need us, but that's the means for us to grow and be part of your kingdom. So Father, as you gave Jesus, and through Jesus you gave the whole heaven, you you gave self. You called us to give up self. And we pray today that we all would live this message. And we pray today that it's going to spread like fire and that every single church member, starting with me and all the others here, will die daily and you live in us and you control our lives. As Jesus says, I don't speak my own words, I don't do my own deeds, but what my father tells me, I pray that we will live that type of life. And as you can use us, you would perform the plans that you have. You will live again. You will do miracles again. You would heal again. You would convert people again. And you would come again. We pray in Jesus' name. And we thank you for answering these prayers. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.